0: Welcome to our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California. I'm Krista and we are the Sixth Sense Society. Later tonight, we will have Kristen joining us by phone. But first, let's talk about the cosmic weather for this coming week. Uh, Tonight, actually, the moon is gibbous. uh, Actually, it's a waxing gibbous in the sign of cancer, which is my sun, Venus, and my Mercury. So I feel quite comfortable in this moon. And this week coming up on October 30th, we have an unusual event. We have Pluto conjunct the ecliptic, which hasn't happened in this way since 1930. It will be going north to south, and it will be at at 5.13 p.m. Pacific time and 18 degrees of Capricorn. Uh, This is a very interesting event. I'm going to make a comment on it in just a minute, but I want to finish with the other astrology. We also have on October 31st, which, as you know, is Halloween and part of our topic tonight, we're going to have Mercury moving into the sign of Sagittarius, which will give us a little break from all the Scorpio energy. And then we also have a great uh, moon for Halloween. We have Leo, and it's going to be the a quarter moon. So that should be a lot of fun for people in terms of performance, and, and it's a good party energy all around. But getting back to the Pluto conjunct the ecliptic, eh, the last time, as I said, that uh, one astrologer said this happened, it was in 1930 when there was the Great Depression, and also that's when Pluto itself was discovered by Clyde Tombaugh. So it doesn't have to be ominous, though, according to the same astrologer. Her name is uh, Serena Childress, and she said that it's actually going to be quite comfortable in this position and sign. Um, and it's, it's a, kind of a descent, though, into the underworld that will last, according to her, for 161 years. So I think it's something we'll probably come back to in terms of a commentary at some point. Uh, So Michael, is there any news that you'd like to share tonight? Well, I I think
2: we've got some cool stuff going on. Uh, One of the most important things is last week we'd mentioned that our friend Dillinger, who usually has the haunted house in the haunted alley here in Venice, was a little under the weather. He was skateboarding and apparently someone jumped out in front of him and he tried to avoid her and took a dive and broke his hip. So there was talk that they weren't gonna do it this year and we were all saddened by that news. The good news, we've heard from his wife, Dawn, that it's back on again, so oh, Dillinger's feeling better, and his recovery's going well, and the friends all pitched in and helped decorate, so Halloween night, we are going to be scaring the wits out of little kids and <laughs> putting them into therapy for the next God knows how long, and it's really fun. It's on um, Rialto, Yes. and so if, if you guys are in Venice, it's just off of uh, just off Abbot Kinney, a couple blocks on Rialto. Um, You won't have any trouble finding it. And Don and Dillinger are amazing people. They actually go to a lot of work. They get a permit from the city to close off the street. They decorate to the nines. They created this whole haunted alley in in between their home and the one next to it. Um, All the neighbors kind of help out by, you know, dressing up in scary costumes and scaring the wits out of people (laughs) as they go through. Um, So it's just a heck of a lot of fun. And please drop by if you're in the Venice area. Um, of course, this is Halloween coming up this this uh, Wednesday or Samhain as they call it in the pagan tradition. Um, I know yesterday was the the day of the dead, so I'm hoping that some of you got the chance to go to Hollywood Forever Cemetery and enjoy that. And if you didn't next year, it's a must. It's just an amazing, amazing time. Um, and of course, <laughs> sorry, losing my voice a little bit. And then. Um, Of course, on Halloween night, uh, to remind everyone, they have the Halloween um, carnival on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood. They close off the the boulevard between La Cienega and Doheny. And uh, it's just insane. You know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people uh, in various levels of intoxication, just having a really (laughs) good time. And so it's a pretty amazing event. And if you can take that in, that's always a good idea, too. Um, lots of other Halloween stuff going on. I know our, our friend David Ullman is having a Halloween party at his house, and I'm sure you can find information about that somewhere online. And uh, hopefully we'll have David on as a guest somewhere in the future. He is this haunted host that's been on every host ghost-busting show in, in creation, and he's quite an interesting character. So I'm hoping that we'll get him as a guest somewhere down the road. So I think that those are the kind of the main things that are going on that I'm aware of right now. Um, And we hope you guys all have a safe and fun Halloween and just Uh, enjoy the heck out of it. Celebrate it, yes. Halloween, celebrate it to the nines, and that's what we're going to do. So back over to you, Krista.
0: Yeah, and Rialto is really cool because they they closed the whole street off, and there's a lot of other houses that still decorate uh, some incredible things there. And it's not maybe as much as it was, like, say, 10 years ago, but there's definitely a celebratory feeling. It's very Venice, and I think last year... I don't know, It's like thousands of people went through the alley. I couldn't believe how many people went. So it, it is a lot of fun, even though we, it's it's kind of a tradition that grew out of our own tradition, Michael and I, we we used to celebrate kind of a combination of Halloween and honoring our ancestors, which was actually quite popular with people. And we do it at our apartment, which is Not very big, but Michael would decorate the porch often politically (laughs) in a Halloween theme, uh, especially when Obama was running. I remember that and that was great. So we would do part Halloween and and part honoring the ancestors. So part of the honoring of the ancestor ritual we would do, we would light a candle and uh, everybody would go around and take turns, whoever wanted to join us, even people we didn't know would come sometimes, and basically talk about people that had died in their life, they wanted to honor that year. And then as part of the ritual, we would do a wish for the year ahead. And um, then you would take your own candle. We usually used white candles and we would take it and you could take it home and burn it down. And oftentimes people would forget their candles. <laughs> One year I remember I felt super responsible, like I should probably burn them all down. And I just said, that's just not gonna happen. <laughs> so I think it's fine that the intention was there. Uh, It was a very touching time, actually, and uh, we had a couple friends that always would come because of that very simple ritual. It was very simple, not elaborate, and and then we'd have like a Halloween theme party, so people would certainly come in costumes, and uh, that's what we did for quite a few years until we, I think we needed to take a little bit of a break, and then we were invited over sort of to Dillinger's, and I I think Michael was the first one to participate as a monster in the alley, and he, he came back so excited about how much fun it was. you know. So he kind of dragged yeah. me in at first. I thought, well, I'm we, not going to be a good monster. We definitely <laughs> definitely always
2: have a good time for Halloween, but there is definitely a, a sacred aspect to it as well. And I think you know, we used to do this amazing little ritual, and, and it was basically simple. And one of the things I find often about ritual is some people like really complicated, complex rituals, but sometimes the simple ones are the easiest to connect with because you don't have to be wondering about whether you're standing in the right place or you're holding the right gesture. So our ritual, and I, and I suggested, you know, give it a shot if you guys are, are, have a gathering. And what we used to do is to, to create a circle. We'd put a cauldron in the center with a, a lit candle, um, and we'd hand out candles to everybody in the circle. So the first person would light their candle from the one in the altar or the, in the cauldron. And then they would speak about um, people that had passed over, that, that, that were close to them and that they wanted to remember and memorialize. And, and then if, after they would finish, the next person would light their candle off, the, the first person's candle, and do the same. And it would go all the way around the circle until all the candles were lit. And once it had gone all the way around the circle until the candles were all lit, then the first person again would... Make their wish for the new year. They'd summarize the year and make their intention. Because Samhain, again, in the pagan tradition, is sort of the New Year's Eve, so it's that New Year's resolution kind of thing. And I remember the first year we, we did this, it was the first year here in, in, um, in Los Angeles, and we'd moved from Nova Scotia, and I uh, it was culture shock i was having a hard time adjusting to the idea of being in california and in los angeles in particular so i kind of struggled with it the first year and we did our our sound ritual and i said you know this past year i finally think i've made peace with the idea of being in la this year i'm going to see if i can find a reason to like it and it became the most magical year we had all these cool things happened we got invited to nicholas cage's place up in in Brentwood and this big mansion for his birthday party with all these people and all these magical events that occurred and it was really really fantastic and so So I think that it works sometimes. I think establishing that intention, um, as always with intention, be careful what you wish for, because Kristen made a big mistake one year, and she said, this year I'm going to learn to be more patient. And you know how you you develop patience is basically everything is a struggle. (laughs) You had to wait for (laughs) everything to happen, because it was teaching her to be patient. So as I said, always be very careful what you wish for. And then after the person would make their intent, they would just blow out the candle. And again, that would go all the way around until the candles were extinguished. So a very simple ritual but very moving very powerful we even had people that had been to our ritual one year with friends call in from australia one year to try and be a part of it by phone and it it really was heartfelt to everyone so i highly recommend that if you if you guys want to steal our idea and maybe krista can elaborate more on that as well well
0: i i think that it shows that we we need places to talk about the people we've lost as long as we want to and I'm one of these people, I, you know, Michael is too. We both lost at an early age. We had death at an early age. And so death has been a big part of my life. And in order to make peace with death, I feel these rituals are very uh, helpful. I also find that I personally believe in contacting the dead. I've had enough experiences that I just can't discount. I don't know how it works. I've also heard a lot. So I think having a space where... You can talk about who you want to, how they, what they meant to you in a way you're honoring them is also, and having people witness it is very soothing and therapeutic and magical. And, and also I think it binds people together because I really looked forward to, you know, seeing some of the same people or new people and, and even people that really, I, I they, they knew we practiced uh, sort of, you know, non-traditional religion but they didn't necessarily. So this is something I think that really appeals to everyone, no matter your tradition. And I I think that's one reason why Day of the Dead in Los Angeles uh, at the Hollywood Forever is so popular because, sure, it's based on an amazing um, Mexican tradition that's gone back thousands of years. Uh, It's just wonderful that you can go to a place, though, where they're celebrating and honoring the ancestors in such a beautiful, artistic way. And even if you, you're not familiar with the culture, I again, I Michael, and I feel very strongly about everyone should at least go once because it's magnificent. And I think it, it teaches you a different experience of death. And one that I think is very important to our culture, the idea we can celebrate and not only mourn people. And, and in my case, I feel like during this time and also Beltane, the veils are thin, so you can have some contact with the dead on your own. Your own relatives can talk to you or reach you through visions, through dreams, and synchronicities and things like that. So, um, the theme tonight is really we're going to be talking about you know some of the the rituals associated with honoring our ancestors that we are aware of. Though I'm sure there's many, many more. Uh, and as you and as you can see, some of our own experiences with it. Uh, one of the experiences I have is when in my 20s, I was really immersed in Tibetan Buddhism. And that's one of the places I really learned to appreciate death as an opportunity. In, in this case, you're you're trained to see death as a, a moment in which if you can recognize what's happening, you can become enlightened so that there are different moments in Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism where the, it's easier to do that. So when my grandmother was ill and dying, I was trained a little differently on how to handle the moment of her death. And one of the things I was taught was when she died at the moment of her death, not to grieve right away, uh, but to put, postpone that, but to really send her a lot of light and joy so that she herself would have an ability to transform at the moment of her death. So you really had to get out of yourself and think about the well-being of the person that had died. And uh, in her case, it was in some ways, I think she did feel more joyful because she had a difficult um, experience towards the end with her body. She had died of cancer, and the last month was extremely painful for her, I could tell, and it was painful for me to watch. So in some way, it was easier because you knew that she was out of that physical pain to but I I didn't tell anyone uh, because I thought they would think I was mean or crazy Uh, and I do remember feeling this kind of light or joy for her and I, I hoped it really helped her wherever her journey took her and what's interesting her she had a lawyer that was unusually kind and she would come and bring her flowers from her garden and she'd visit her when she didn't need to and she said afterwards she really felt this kind of joy when my grandmother left her body so of course you can grieve later and there's plenty of time for that and there's nothing wrong with grieving. So this is just to help the person leaving uh their physical body. And that was what I was trained, you know, through the Tibetan Buddhist lamas to try and do anyway. I did my best. So I had a different, you know, view of death as I went through with Tibetan Buddhism, uh because of the way they also accept death and they see it as an opportunity. And I have another story which I'll share a little later on, but getting back to you know, the ritual of honoring our ancestors. And why do we think that's important? And what if we have ancestors we don't like or we don't know? Uh, I would say that before I got involved in uh, more of the pagan traditions, I think I did take some of my ancestry for granted. And I wasn't really raised knowing a lot about the history of my family, like some people are which I I feel a little sad about now, though, of course, there's many ways you can look up your own family tree and ancestry. And there's, as you see, there's also a big growth in people wanting to know through their DNA, their exact lineages. So I think it's a growing thing again. And I think one of the reasons it can be quite helpful is it gives you a sense of uh, rootedness, of where, you know, you're coming from. Whether it's good or bad in terms of your ancestors, because I think we probably all have some dark characters in there, or some noble people in our our ancestry too. And in celebrating, uh, I think in paganism, I remember reading in Silver Ravenwolf's book that she really thinks it's a good idea when you start to practice any kind of paganism to honor your lineage, such as let's say you're Nordic, you know, and to pick deities from that initially. Uh, and when I first read that, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. But over the years, I really agree with her. Because again, you're going to have a natural kind of kinship with them. And it's going to help you feel that connection to your own heritage. Certainly, you can expand and some people feel connected to deities they have no connection to. And that's perfectly fine. You know, it's it's not a good or bad thing. But I, I feel like for me, what I have is sort of a ancestral shrine that honors my Irish traditional ancestral heritage and things like that.
2: Well, we are in luck. We have Kristen joining us by phone. So she should be able to hear us, hopefully. And this is new technology for us, but we hope it's all working properly. Hi, Kristen.
1: Hey, guys. How are you doing over
0: there? Hey, good to hear you.
1: I can barely hear Krista, but uh, I can hear Michael loud and clear. But I can barely hear Krista. All so right, we'll, we'll like try.
0: That. We'll try
2: and get that better for you. So how's that? Is that a little bit is better? This,
0: can you hear me now?
1: Um, I can hear you very muted.
2: Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll have to put up with it because I'm not quite sure exactly how we're going <laughs> to fix that. But yeah, but yeah, anyway,
1: well, this is also a test on all of this and everything as well. So. Um, yeah. it's, it's super exciting, and let's keep the conversation going. And I will do my best to under understand what Krista is saying. Oh um, yeah, what have all been talking about so
2: far? And if well, we've been talking about ancestry and, and how uh, different people um, view all of that, which is really great, and why that's important. Some of the rituals we've done around um, Samhain or Halloween. So uh, that has been a, a lot of what we've been discussing. And uh, do you have any particular rituals that you like to do for the this season?
1: Um, you know, I'm a big candle person, and I always like to dress candles specifically for um, you know whatever holiday or or event or or situation that that I'm kind of dealing with. So for Halloween, um, you know I, I I love to get one of those um, beautiful black moon candles hmm. and I go dress it with. Um, rosemary, thyme, and sort of like the medieval, what I call the medieval herbs, like the ones that have been around that people have been using forever um, that are very protective and um, sort of like uh, things that protect you as you walk through the veil as it's thin, so to speak. Um, since we know that the veil gets very, very thin mm-hmm. on balance.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, um, being able to be protected as as you're receiving you know, this information and also seeing um, signs and things that, you know, you don't normally see, um, given the how thin the veil is. So, yeah, abso- absolutely. That's something that I like to do. Hmm.
0: That's wonderful. Uh, do you Have you ever gone to the Day of the Dead at Hollywood Forever?
1: Um, I think what you're asking me is if I've been to Hollywood Forever, and yeah. no, I haven't. And it's so funny because I, somebody I know was actually going tonight and I just, I, I, I can't go because I've got another thing I have to go to. But um, it's supposed to be really super fun.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. And I'm sure as an, an actress, you would appreciate all the performances, actually, and the costuming and the incredible amount of work people put into the altars. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, it really is a fantastic, um, just amazing Event So if you do get the chance to go some year, I think that that's a good thing. Um, One of the things we were talking about is ritual, too. And there's, there's so many different traditions that have rituals around the dead. And I think that it's such an important part of connecting us to who we are. And, you know, ancestry seems to be one of those really big deals in terms of, you know, I don't know why that's so important it is. I know in my own... Life, you know, my, my mother's side of the family were Scottish, and I, the last couple of years, especially, I've taken to wearing kilts all the time. And for some reason, I just feel so much more connected to my lineage and to my heritage and to who I am. And so I think that there's an important aspect of that when it comes to any kind of honoring of ancestry.
1: Well, and I think it's also um, important as far as breaking ancestral patterns, um, if we want to go in that direction as well, um, because we have in our DNA. You know patterns from our ancestors that go way back, and sometimes there are things kind of get stuck within us um, that that can result in certain behavior patterns, albeit negative or positive or neutral. And I think when you can honor the ancestors and kind of on this particular day, there's also it's also a great time to do some what you might call shadow work or just dealing with um, and um, clearing out um, ancestral patterns that. Um, are are things that are ready to be released while honoring the ancestors and honoring um, uh, that which where you came from in in a positive way, if it makes sense.
0: That's a great point, and I totally agree with that. I remember reading an article in Science. They have proven that you do inherit unprocessed, wounds from your ancestors so let's say my ancestry which is true uh, they survived some of the holocaust and some of them did not that that terror and that fear was passed on through me into my dna so it helps to understand and you could also say well maybe it's past life which it could be either but I do remember and it was actually more of a scientific view and it's important to know that so if you feel you do have a phobia that maybe it's, it's come through your lineage that in that way you can identify it in order to do the shadow work. And, but that's a great point.
2: There's another interesting thing with um, Ancestry. If, if you've been, you still have time until February, but they have the King Tut exhibit at the, uh, the Science Center by USC. Highly recommended, an amazing, amazing, amazing performance or or exhibit. Um, And one of the cool things about that was the idea that, first of all, it's like going through the the underworld, the way they've presented it with the Egyptian Book of the Dead. But one of the things about the pharaohs was that in in Egypt you die twice. And they were saying one of the times you die, the first time is your physical death when you pass but the more important death is when people no longer speak your name. So there's something again about ancestral ritual where it's a sort of remembering and keeping it alive and in some way we're keeping those people's spirit alive in some sense by by not forgetting them. And so I, and we see you know so many rituals of remembrance whether it's around you know wars and and you know memorial days kind of events and or other forms of ritual. But I think it's just so, so important for some reason psychologically that we have that ability to maintain that connection.
0: Mm. Absolutely.
2: What are your thoughts, Krista?
0: Well, I think they're really, really great points. And I I guess that also is why it's great to do memorial walls for people that have been lost. And I had read that elsewhere, but I cannot remember about if you say a person's name, it, it basically will keep them alive. And, you know, I, I forget what tradition, too. So I'd forgotten about the Egyptian uh, uh, thing we went to recently, King Tut. That that was really amazing. Um, I think that it's also a preparation for me because it is my new year, which I, I really embrace fully now. I always forget when the January <laughs> first comes along that that's most people's new year in the west and I've already celebrated my new year it's preparing me for that sort of going down deep like Kristen was saying because it's in in the northern hemisphere it's the darker time in which you can do more healing you can um, maybe be less social which is awkward because of all the holidays but when I have honored that I feel better when I follow the the season so one of the things I like about the pagan traditions are it's rooted in nature. And when we are more in harmony with nature, we can feel better about ourselves. So for instance, for me, because I'd lost my brother at such an early age, I was mourning him like too much. And I began to feel like I'm in the underworld too much. And so I told myself, well, I will honor him during the time that it's natural to honor somebody. And then the other times, like the summer, I'm going to celebrate life and move forward. And it really helped me because I knew I wouldn't be able to not honor him. He was so important to me. But now I know I have this rhythm I have. And certainly you're going to have breaks from a rhythm, but it, it feels good. It feels very wholesome. And so that's one of the things that having these markers like, you know, Sawan and Beltane, it, it helps me to be a more holistic person, I feel and try to work with the natural forces instead of conquer them or control them, which I think is crazy. (laughs) You know, you can't conquer Mother Nature. So those are some of my thoughts.
2: So Kristen, um, I know you're not here with us today, so what are you up to?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I was just tutoring one of my, um, I have a master's degree in special ed as well, I'm, I do private tutoring for for kids, and so that's where I I just came from. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I'm going to be on my way to see another little kiddo in a little bit. Um, after that, I'm actually going to film. If you happen, to I mean, if you're watching live, listening to us live, um, if you want to hit the Gray Studios later this evening around six thirty, um, uh, there's going to be a film festival going on, and. Um, just some new independent shorts and things, and I'm actually going to be reading Tarot at the event. So that's that's cool. pretty cool. I'm, I'm
2: looking forward to that. It's mm-hmm. always a fun time to do readings around this time of year too. People kind of go crazy for it, and so I know we've done a lot of readings lately. And it seems like Halloween that people just absolutely love to get readings. So it's been a it brings a busy it, it week. brings
1: it out in people. Yes, it's a time sure. to get readings
2: because again the veil is thin. Yeah, so, for
1: sure. Know, um, that type of so yes I'm actually excited to do it that's why she asked me to, to do it She thought it would be a fun thing to have for the filmmakers and for the audience members while they're you know there's sort of like a mixer sort of that they do ahead of time um, uh, and uh, with drinks and and so that people can network and mingle and um, she thought it would be fun to have a tarot card reader there <laughs> as part of as part of the event so people, Especially if people are drunk, I think that would be... It. <laughs> they might be more open to listening Maybe. to the
2: reading. <laughs> you know, the, the best part about doing readings for people that are really drunk is if you <laughs> screw up the reading the next morning, they're not going to remember anyway, so it kind of takes yeah, the very. pressure off a little bit, you know? But no, it's, uh, we've done a lot of parties over the years, and there's absolutely no doubt that it, it can be an awful lot of fun. and. But it really depends on the event, and we've done events where they were nice enough to sit us right next to a rock band, and that's not easy to do a reading when you're trying to compete <laughs> with a rock band. So hopefully you'll have a, so, a quiet area tonight where you don't have to deal with drums and electric guitars and screaming people. So Yeah, I that think it, it will fun.
1: be... I think that the lounge, the filmmaker lounge and that, all that stuff, that's going to be pretty quiet, thank goodness. So, <laughs> um, um, And I know that artistic people are... Tend to be a little bit more open to this stuff, so I'm sure depending on what kind of adventure we get, a lot of people that are sort of like skeptics and non-believers, and they sort of like, so I'm not gonna say anything, and you just tell me my entire life. Oh and yeah. I,
0: you
1: better not get it wrong, even though I'm not asking you any question or giving you anything or saying anything. <laughs> um, as opposed to I think uh, artists or, you know, in general, like I, I I tend to see when I do events with a lot of artistic people, they just want the readings and they're very open to it and even if they don't 100% believe it, they're just more open to it, which I think is a good thing. You get a
2: better reading. It's funny, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about death, and not to be morbid, but it is, you know, Samhain rituals about remembrance, and, and people who have passed, and so forth. But there is another element in many, many cultures where, as we were saying, it is sort of a time where prophecy is a big deal. And there are a number of, of different methods of, of prophecy that actually employ the idea of, of someone who has passed, and and trying to get in touch with that the the afterlife and the people that are now in spirit world to help us understand and guide us and so forth. So there is a fascinating connection sometimes between prophecy and this time of year for sure.
0: Well, isn't its is it necromancy where you uh, receive divination oracles through actually a dead person? Isn't that an old form of divination? Um, I forget that. I think that's what it's called, but... Um, I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, going back to the whole celebration of the ancestors, one of the even though this is one of the best times to do it, you can set up altars to ancestors, and it's not uncommon in a lot of traditions. So I've read in the Italian witchcraft books, they have an ancestral altar with some specific herbs. I think rue is one and salt. And in, in doing that, you can protect your home and then I remember reading, I believe it was in Thich Han's book, No Death, No Fear, about putting one's ancestors' images on your altar. And they also have a daily, the Vietnamese have a daily altar to their family. He made a point, however, to say to include even the ancestors you don't like. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was fun, you know, because of course you're going to want to remember the people, you know, you felt the most close to and... And he said one of the reasons is that it helps you to feel rooted in the world, and it gives you an anchor. And I think there is some truth to that. It doesn't mean you're going to be your ancestors, or you have to. If we have, like Kristen said, shadow work that comes through our ancestors, we want to change the patterns. But it does. Um, you know, I think it's it's a good way of of humbling us all to show that we come from a diverse background in a sense. And as I've gotten older, I have to admit I I like the the ancestry idea even more so than when I was younger and more rebellious and just wanted to be me no matter what my family lineage is and my dad also went through a period where he really did a lot of work on the family tree and he sent me the disc of it I, I still have to look through all of it and so I really appreciate that he did that at least on his side I, I'm not really sure about my mother's side um, so those are my the other thing I wanted to say too is that you can do like a devotion to your ancestors on a daily basis which i did in the beginning when i was first learning uh witchcraft i really liked some of silver Ravenwolf's suggestions and so she has a really simple beautiful ancestral devotion that you can find in one of her books to stir a magic cauldron cauldron and she uses a a cauldron a candle and ice and there's a very simple prayer you can uh, either call in the lady your lord or you can pick uh, a goddess and god that you want to work with and when i did that devotion several times i really felt a deep ritualistic experience happening quite easily and i wrote it down i'd even forgotten some of the things that came through but luckily i keep a magical journal like many people do in magic so i i can recommend that that way you can kind of keep in touch with your ancestors if you want on a regular basis and I've even read accounts in ghost uh, books where uh, a dead relative has actually helped someone. Michael has, I think, a story about that, where they can even come and help you at times, certain ancestors, and solve problems so that you you have this protection from them. And, of course, you have to give them something, too, you know, and uh, there's different ways you can honor them. For instance, I know in the Salon tradition, when you set up an altar, you put out their favorite foods, so whatever they are, even if they smoke cigarettes, you put the pack of cigarettes and their favorite coffee and to honor them, and uh, even though they don't technically eat anymore, so that's one way to kind of feed the spirits.
2: Yeah, I I mean, certainly that seems to be a big part of things at the the Day of the Dead. You'll see that they put out a lot of um, the person's favorite liquor and foods and so forth, and it is inviting them sort of back in, and as In the pagan world, again, the idea that the veils are thin and that people from the other side can can visit easier and and connect with us easier at this time of year and and so forth is the belief. I'm not sure why that is, but it it is. Um, Although, interestingly, if you look at statistics, one of the things that's very interesting is that the greatest uh, number of hauntings are reported around the equinox. Uh, spring yeah. and summer equinox, and and it's supposed to be an in-between time. So that's the time where the light and dark are balanced. You know, it's it's an equal number of, of hours day and night. Um, is around the equinox, and so and I suppose that's why midnight again. You know, it's neither of this day nor the next, and and so again, and of course with with Samhain in the old agricultural calendar end of October was the in-between time again. It was the end of the old year, the beginning, beginning of the new, and those in-between times were kind of magical and special. Uh, funny story about that, you know, back in, in my youth, I, I did, I've did i had many lives in this lifetime, I feel like Doctor <laughs> Who, um, but one of them was, was being a, a radioman in the, the Canadian Navy, if you can imagine that. Um, oh, cool. And um, one of the things we weren't allowed to do was to use Midnight. Um, Because uh, in military time, if you put 0000, they didn't know if you were talking about midnight this one or midnight the last one. (laughs) because It would be the same time. So you always had to use 2359 or 0001, but you couldn't use 0000 because it would cause confusion. Um, So I thought that was interesting, and it's kind of an in-between time again. So this is considered one of those in-between times, and and that is Mm -hmm. why it's sometimes considered so magical in that respect. Mm So that's my story of life at sea. (laughs) What can I
0: say? (laughs) Well, we did have... um, That's pretty awesome. uh, Speaking of, like, um, contacts with spirits, we had an unusual thing happen last year when we went to the Hollywood Day of the Dead. We hadn't been for a little while, and it was daytime, and Michael decided to take a shortcut when we were leaving, and he just picked it randomly... So we're walking along and we come right up to a plaque that had one of our dear neighbor's names on it, Andrew, who had uh, died, I forget what year it was, but um, we had lost through suicide actually. And I'd felt very close to him and Michael had, and there his name was and everything. And we had no idea that was there. And I was so, so humbled and so amazed that had happened i really felt that he had contacted us and it was one of those synchronicities you you just can't you know you can't get your mind around i've had so many around all kinds of things but that one really was remarkable considering the time of the year and how special he was to us and so i i still remember that it was pretty pretty powerful so um Here's an idea. Since we're getting into our
2: ancestors, um, we should remember ours. And and the ones that are important to me, obviously my mom and dad that were pretty amazing. And uh, when I was born, I don't know if people know this, but some people do, I suppose, friends, but, uh, my mom was actually 50 years old when I was born, so I w- came along late in life. Um, and they say that that children born late in life are either geniuses or, or not too bright. So you have to, you know, you guys can debate which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> in my case, um, sometimes a little of both, I suppose. But but they were pretty amazing people, and and of course my mother's was the Scottish side of the family, so. Um, All the Braveheart stuff and fighting with Wallace and the Black Douglas and all that you know very romanticized kind of Scottish culture on her side. Dad was German and dad was an old fisherman so he went to sea in in 1928 at the age of 14. Uh, Couldn't get along with his school teacher so he quit school and he went fishing um, and made his living on a a tall ship. He would fish Mm -hmm. off the Grand Banks and, and then take you know, fish and freight to the West Indies and the Bahamas and then freight back to, to Nova Scotia from there. So I grew up with all of his stories of life at sea and it was just amazing people, the, the both of them. And, and unfortunately, they passed away when I was very young. I was 21, I think. Um, and it, it was an interesting time. The, the, uh, my actual, my mo- mother passed first of a heart attack. And Dad had had several. He was a stubborn old guy. And the the last time he'd had a major one, the doctor said, there's nothing we can do for him. Make preparations because he won't survive. If he does, he'd be an invalid. And he would have a heart attack. He would actually climb out of the hospital bed and stand up and hold onto the rail. And his hands were so strong, you couldn't break his grip. And he had no idea even where he was. And the nurses would say, what are we going to do with him? I said, I guess we're going to leave him. And when he's tired, he'll get back in bed. And sure enough, about 10, 15 minutes later, he'd crawl back over the rail. And an hour later, he'd be standing up again. <laughs> and so he just wouldn't fall down. And, and so then um, three weeks later, he was splitting wood with an ax in back of the house. And the doctor had no explanation. And then, um, a couple years later, Mum passed away, and he stayed. I visited him for ten days. He went to the South Shore, Nova Scotia, visited his relatives, went home that Sunday, laid down and in thirty minutes, he passed away. But in um, so it was three weeks later, roughly. But it was funny we, we had, and you always find dark humor even in, in things like this. and and Mum passed first. and then her brother died of a stroke three days after my mum and then Dad three weeks later. so, that the minister mm. in our little town of 50, of 1,800 people was away on sabbatical, and there was an old retired guy filling in for him. So Mom's sermon was beautiful. It, it was very poetic, and it was just perfect, and, and everything. He'd worked his whole life on this sermon. So, of course, three days later, the family's back for her brother's funeral. We can't really say the same thing. It was just three days ago. So we had to switch it up a little bit and improvise a little bit. And it was still nice, but it was not quite as smooth and not quite as polished. And, of course, three weeks later, everybody was back for, for Dad's funeral, and... And at that point, I think he felt God was playing a cosmic joke on him or something. It was really funny to watch him being humbled, you know, after all these years. And just when he thought this was going to get easy, you know. Um, but the other thing I remember about my, my parents passing, which was really cool, is they, they actually ran a little jail in Nova Scotia. So I grew up in jail, literally. So, you know, that accounts for a lot, too. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, it was really funny. The RCMP used to show up and drag drunks through my front door every night. But, but anyway, um, we, every town, every small town has a town drunk. and very Mayberry and, and ours was the, a guy named Jeff Woodrow and he 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 loved my mother's cooking so he would always manage to get drunk and get thrown in jail just in time for supper <laughs> so <laughs> so this was his, his routine and he was there just about every day or oh. every other day um and they just let him sober up and then kick him out you know not, not nothing ever came of it but um but my dad I didn't realize how respected he was he'd been a volunteer fireman and when he passed my brother-in-law actually called the the RCMP and they said would you be pallbearers for, for him and that the guy that answered the phone said, well, he's not really a member of the force, and we don't really do that. So the guy that was in command of the detachment overheard the conversation. He asked what was going on, and the guy told him, he said, you know, I worked with many years with that man. He said, ask him if we, they want us to wear the red serge. And we said they didn't have to go quite that far, but six Mounties were my dad's pallbearers, which is really cool. But, but I didn't realize how many people knew him, and, and at his funeral, the church was literally packed from beginning mm. to end, every seat. Wow. And sitting in the front row sober with a tie on was Jeff Woodrow. He showed <laughs> up to, to pay his respects to my dad because dad Aww. always treated everybody fair no matter who they were and, and he just really, everybody respected him and mm. even the town drunk showed up to, to mm. pay his respects and I thought that was pretty cool. So, mm. and, and those are the kind of things that I think ancestry is important it gives us a sense of who we are too from these people. So, mm-hmm. those are the two that I remember the most fondly. So, maybe, you know, Kristen, what what would be your people that you're in remembrance of
1: you know it was coming to mind and i was thinking about our show and what we talk about um, you know my grandparents um, all four of them on my mother's side and my father's side um, my grandfather I on my father's side I never really met because he died when I was one year one years old and the, as the story goes I used to when he was sort of sick in bed and at the end I would kind of walk around the bed and I would hang on to the bed, and I would walk and, and hmm. without assistance. And he would say, like, oh, at least I got to see her walk. <laughs> oh, okay. But um, all four of my grandparents have passed. And um, my other grandfather on my mother's side was a very Catholic sort of dude. He, he was a hard worker. He was, you know, He was born here in the U.S., but from, like, an Irish background. Parents were from Ireland and sort of just, like, hard-working background, worked seven days a week his whole life, and was just – he was a very Catholic, very oriented, very good person, hard worker. And he never in his uh, um, living years would he ever have done anything psychic. Nothing, absolutely nothing psychic. And interestingly enough, I was at a medium gallery – and he came in to talk to me. And the way it was described, the woman was describing this guy, I'm like, gosh, it sounds like my grandfather. And then she was like, and this particular person would never be at a, at a medium gallery like this. <laughs> so, uh, and I, and it's interesting because ever since that medium gallery, my grandfather, I called him granddaddy, um, granddaddy is, has come to visit me often in channeling and meditation. And it's just so interesting because the things that he says are just so incredibly funny and um, insightful, and it's just things that I, you know, you know that kind of when you're channeling, when you hear words or phrases come to you that you would never use. Right. And something that I was that I want to share just really quickly is in meditation. Once right after that medium gallery, I was doing a breathwork meditation, and he came in very strong during the meditation, and he was saying, "You got it. You can't be afraid to rat tat tat with a man that's your partner because." You know, you have to be able to, be, and it was, I think I thought, rat-tat-tat, cat. what is he trying to say? <laughs> I, I don't even, I never would use that word. He was just trying to tell me, don't be afraid to be yourself um, in part in romantic partnership. Huh. And he was saying, your grandmother and I, we rat-tat-tatted all the time, and I loved her very much, and look at your parents. I just thought that was so beautiful, um, because he's come up in actually several um, medium-type situation since then, where he's just saying, you know, he wants you to know I'm there for you. And again, this is the kind of guy that went to church every Sunday, mm. would not eat meat every Friday, went to confession, I mean, all this stuff, and here he is kind mm. of appearing from from the other side now that he's dead. He's into the psychic. So um, uh, I kind of wanted to share that little story to honor all four of my grandparents who have passed on... Um,
0: that I love very much. So those are great stories, both of you. I, you know, I have so many now. So I'll stick to maybe a few of them. Uh, obviously, my mother, uh, who also wasn't really into the psychic world, but actually was very psychic and saw spirits. She was raised a Catholic, and uh, she died in 2005 unexpectedly. So she. My mother was one of these people that was the kindest person you could meet. She really believed in practicing kindness. And even though she was raised Catholic, she was not really religious per se, though she did once say she was really sad when the mass was not said in Latin anymore, even though she didn't go. She was very scientific in a lot of ways and she loved mysteries. She read every mystery book you can possibly imagine. In fact, my mother was super smart And every now and then I'd I'd read a book and say, ah, you know, she hasn't read this, you know, so I'm going to get her, you know. And she goes, oh, yes, I remember that. And then she would remember things from the book. Like, I'd be, okay, how does she do that? But she also secretly had this stash of pulp mystery books. So when she died, we were going through her things, and there was like 800 of these pulp mystery books, you know, sort of like as if they were naughty or something she didn't want anyone to know about. I love that about her. And she also made... Incredible pies. Um, Michael's mother and I, sh- and my mother, shared the, the same ability to cook. They both cooked really well. And but my mother was also extremely smart. So I think I get a lot of her love of reading and and certainly some of her smarts from from her. And then of course my brother David, who was lost at sea at the age of 18 uh, off of Baja, doing something he loved. He was kayaking. Uh, there was a lot of trauma around his death. One reason was they never recovered his body, and they did recover the bodies of two of the other young people. And he was also extremely uh, advanced in a lot of ways, a really funny person. He was so supportive of everybody in the family. He was, for instance, the only, really the only member of my family when I was on the swim team. He would come out, and he was a champion cross-country runner. And he would cheer like you would not believe it. He'd be just yelling, come on, Chris, come on, Chris. I'll never forget that. He just, I still can remember how much he he really wanted people to succeed. He was brilliant. He got a Latin scholarship to Duke. Uh, he skipped a year in, in high school. But I also remember laughing a lot with him and my mother. We, we used to just laugh hysterically about things. So uh, very, very special soul in a lot of ways. And he was into Edgar Cayce. And, and was already working on himself as a young person and also an incredible writer. From the age of 12, he was writing and he had some children's novels sort of penned out in his journals, uh, which my father published his journals, which are pretty amazing, actually. So those two people I I will uh, remember today and the others I will remember on on Halloween themselves because I said at this point, as you get older, it's important to find ways to really embrace and honor loss because that will make your life richer. And I remember reading that in a study that people that lived very long lives and were happy, they have learned to cope with loss. And I think these rituals really help you cope with loss. And I also personally, as I said earlier, believe that we can contact the dead ourselves, which will be part of our show next week. We're going to have a wonderful medium on Adela Levine or Levine, excuse me, and she's going to come on and talk to us about mediumship and her own particular purpose as a medium, what she wants to do to help educate people uh, around mediumship and help you to connect on your own and not simply go to mediums, which I really like that about her and her philosophy, and there'll be a lot more, so we're very excited she's going to be coming on next Sunday. Um, We're looking forward to that. So those are the people I would like to remember. Is there anything else... Either of you want to add about this topic, about uh, ancestors in general, um, anything at all?
2: Um, Not that I can think of a whole lot, other than I think that it's just really wonderful. I think it's sad that people sometimes, I think, um, fear death or think of it as morbid. I think it's a natural transition. I think we, and of course the Buddhists make a big argument for reincarnation, and so I'm fairly convinced that this is there. I know without a doubt that there's life beyond this. No doubt. And, and the story that I always remember and Crystal will remember um, was a, a woman I wo- was friends with back in Nova Scotia. She, Her name was Bev. She worked at a little convenience store and um, got a little rough around the edges and a bit of a practical joker and a real character. So we became very fond of her and her of us. Um, and I'd known her for many, many years. And then. Um, one year after I'd met Krista, she knew we had no family in the city, and it was coming up on Christmas, so she invited us to her place for Christmas dinner, and so we went. And I, I walked through the door, and there's pictures of this teenage boy everywhere in candles. It turns out she'd had one son who was a teenager, died in a car accident, and after she knew that I'd never, she'd never mentioned it, so I, I didn't know anything about it. So I was, uh, you know, taken back. Um, and then so you know, a little time went past, and I was standing at the store with her one night, and she told me this story, and she said, you know, and it was after she knew I was into tarot cards and all kinds of weird things, and I don't think she thought I would judge her or make fun of her. I think she felt safe. And she said that, I was here at the store one night, and this car pulled up, and this guy got out with a long coat on it, and he walked up to the door, and he reached for the door handle, and he froze. And she said, standing inside the door as plain as day was my son and my father, and they looked at him, and he looked at them, and he went... Got back into the car, said something to the guy driving, and they drove off. He never came in the store. My son waved at me, and they vanished in front of my eyes. And she said, about an hour later, the cops came and looking for the guy. He had a shotgun under his coat. He beat up and robbed the clerk up the street instead of her. And, and I thought, you know, they'd showed up and intervened. And she started crying when she told me the story. So if ever there was a doubt in my mind that there was an afterlife. And the thing about Bev and what makes her so credible is that was her her sacred thing. And you never joke about your sacred thing. Mm-hmm. And that was her sacred thing. So I, I totally believe her. And then I've had my own experiences too. So, so I think it's nothing to be feared, and I, I think that the idea that we can celebrate this transition and, and not see it as dark or morbid or scary I think is very, very important. And I think some of these rituals try and help us not to be scared of, of when our time comes, that it is going to be a natural thing. And I think the Buddhists actually even refer to it as a non-event. They think it's not even going to be a big deal. You just kind of wake up in your next incarnation just like waking up in the morning, and they, they say it's almost the same experience as going to sleep and waking up in the, the next day. And so it's not a, a big tragedy, a big drama, or a big, um, big scary thing at all, you know. And it, it's and as I said, I've seen so many things that convince me that life doesn't end when the body ends. The body is just a capsule, and there's something about the essence that does live on. And so I think that these rituals are, are part of helping us to remember that, you know.
0: Yeah, and I did I did want to bring up. There was one event I went to that also affected my view of death, and it was the cremation of uh, Trumpa Rinpoche which happened, oh, sometime in the 80s, he was a very important Tibetan Buddhist teacher that really westernized a lot of Tibetan Buddhism, and I really didn't even have the means to go, but my friend insisted I go to this event, so he loaned me some money, and I went to Vermont, there was thousands of people, and they had all of the top lamas in, there's one room, they had uh, his body, and they were, I don't know if it had been cremated, You you couldn't see the body, but it was encased, and you could circumambulate the body. And as you were doing that, you had all these amazing Buddhist teachers. They were praying and doing, using all the instruments. And one of the things Tibetan Buddhists are so good at is raising the energy of a room. It was so beautiful and celebratory. And also, we all saw the signs in the sky when when masters die. I saw a rainbow around the sun, We saw these little rainbow they look like little uh brushes of rainbows and there was no cloud in the sky they took pictures of it so i was not on any drugs (laughs) so it was really quite an experience to see a a culture that as michael said you know they see death differently than we do and I, i think i think westerners are certainly there's certain traditions like the irish with their wakes and that have that same celebratory energy and honoring the life of somebody and and not to be afraid so much of death. And certainly many of us don't want to suffer as we die. Um, though I even heard stories about sometimes people not actually suffering, even though they look like it, they leave their bodies. And that made me feel a little better too for certain accidents and things like that. So I, I think that um, I think we're moving along as a culture and looking at death differently and being with the dying and not leaving them. I think that's changing a lot personally, even in the Western uh, civilization. So uh, as we get closer to the end of our show, uh, I think that that's pretty much all I, I can think of to talk about ancestors and the different traditions. And I, I hope that all of you are able to enjoy next week in whatever capacity you like to enjoy. I know some people are a little afraid of Halloween and there is that whole movie contingency talking about last week's horror movies and some of the Halloween movies. But I, I think that's kind of sad. And I, in fact, I've even heard people say they're afraid of the sort of day of the dead depictions because they're skeletons. And I thought, well, we're all skeletons, you know So you're basically saying you're afraid of yourself in that way. So I, I think it's good to find ways to not fear death, however way you want to approach it, and to remember your ancestry which again is, I think, on the rise if you look at all the DNA testing sites and people wanting to know about their ancestors. So I think that's kind of cool. And there's a lot, of, a lot easier ways to contact people. If you do find that you have an ancestor in another country, now you can actually contact them. I've had someone contact me, actually, through uh, the DNA part where they match you up and they wanted to know if I was related to so-and-so in my family, but I couldn't answer, unfortunately. But it was neat that they, she reached out to contact me, so I really liked that.
2: So, Kristen, I guess we're getting close to the top of the hour. Um, any final thoughts from you before we let you run off to your busy, hectic day? And we did miss you in the studio, and we're looking forward to having you back in person next week. But thank you for joining us by oh, phone, yeah. too. Oh, yeah.
1: No, absolutely. It would be, and it's just perfect timing because I have to leave at 3 o'clock to go to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I kind of pushed my tutoring off to 315. I was, they were very, very flexible with me, um, which is wonderful. But um, happy Halloween to everyone, and be safe. Have fun. Be safe. Um, take Uber or Lyft.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good advice.
1: And don't forget to honor your ancestors, and like I said, use this as an opportunity to really manifest um some things that you kind of would like, kind of think of it as a jump on, like a New Year's resolution. You know, you know, sort of like, what would you like to happen in the next year? Now that you know, this might be a better time to actually manifest than the new year. So, um, given the fact that the veil is so thin, so those are my parting words um, for the lovely audience. Like I just said, just be safe and happy Halloween.
2: Well, we're really happy that you came. And spend a little time with us, and a happy Halloween to you as well, and to everyone out there, and with that we will um, let you go, and good luck with your day. <laughs> so take care, Kristen. Oh,
1: yeah, no, thank you. I'll let you know the tarot card reading, the drunk tarot card readings go. Oh, <laughs> uh,
2: there you go. Yeah, definitely for sure. Well, good
0: luck with everything. Yeah, good luck with that. Thanks for joining us. All
1: right, I'll see you guys very soon. Take Bye care. everyone. Okay.
0: All right, Bye-bye. Kristen, good night. Wow, that, I'm so glad she could join us. It was really our first time doing a phone-in, so we love it, and we're glad it all worked out, and we would have missed not having Kristen here for sure. And yes, everyone, I hope you have a really good week ahead. Don't eat too much candy. <laughs> that's probably one of the real dangers of Halloween is the candy. You yes, know. I
2: suspect that's a, a big danger of Halloween,
0: as a matter of fact. So yeah, the sugar. The, the sugar is not a good thing, so
2: stay away from the sugar for sure.
0: You can have a little bit. You know, Of course, as a kid, that's one of the great things about Halloween, at least it was when we were kids, You know, all the candy that you would get.
2: Yes, and uh, it's still a great thing, except for those of us who are diabetic We have to stay away from some <laughs> of that stuff but but it is fun and, and you know Halloween again has is, is always been one of our favorite holidays and and we look forward to it a lot um, I think that the the cool thing about Halloween I always said is when you decorate, you don't have to have good taste, which is, <laughs> is I think a good thing so um, so we have a lot of fun with it. We hope you guys all have a lot of fun with it too and um, Next week we'll be here live, and oh, Adela is an amazing person. I think she's going to be a lot of fun to have on as our first guest, and we hope you guys can all join us for that. So I'll send you over to Krista for her final words of wisdom, and then we are off.
0: Well, thank you again for joining us today tonight, and uh, we really appreciate your support. So, so don't forget to subscribe if you haven't subscribed, and we really look forward to putting on a lot more programs for you. I've enjoyed this uh, particular topic myself as the the ancestors mean a lot to me as a Cancerian and uh, as I've gotten older, as I said, and I think that it's going to be a very special week for some reason. It feels like that to me. So really enjoy it however you like to. And thank you so much for uh, staying with us and watching us and have a great evening.